All right, so welcome back to another episode of the Roger Sarn Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarn First Class Cruz, and today we're going to be talking about a very serious subject. And when I say a very serious subject, it means that what I'm about to inform you guys of today is uh, suggestions that coming for our benefits. The Congressional Budget Association, or the CBO, has sometime in the end of last year, around December, they came up with a few, if I'm not mistaken, 13 different suggestions in which could potentially decrease our military benefits um, while in the military, while serving the military, and for when you get out the military as a veteran. So let's, I don't want to waste you guys' time anymore, so let's go ahead and um, get into it. Roger Sarn! Welcome to another episode of Roger Sarn, and let's go. Let's let's just get in, get right into it because this is it's killing me right now. So, a report that I pulled up. It's from December thirteenth, twenty twenty two. It is on the Military Officers Associations of America website, other known as MOA. So you go to moa.com and you'll find it. And this is going to be the congressional report aims to cut deficit, but would also cut retirees by thousands. All right, so a quick backstory on what the CBO does. What they do is every two years, they come up with a 10-year um, budget plan. So let me read this off to you. The CBO provides a 10-year overview of deficit reduction measures once every two years before the start of a new congressional season session. As, as with past years, the report includes ways to reduce, reduce both mandatory and discretionary fundings, as well as ways to increase federal revenue. But it does not, and I repeat, it does not consider any long-term implications of these potential savings, nor the impact cuts would have on the affected communities and the significant challenges facing the nation, such as the military, recruitment, and retention. So what I will say is, if Big Army is trying to figure out right now why our retention numbers are so low, we should probably take a look at what the CBO is um, suggesting. And at the end of the day, um, I don't want to rattle you guys up way too much, but I just want to make sure you guys are informed of what's going on. These are all just suggestions, right? But these suggestions can take place as soon as early as 2024, all right, so these proposals, if enacted, could cause service mem- could cost service members, past and present, and their families, survivors, and caregivers, thousands of dollars a year. So there's three categories that they have. There's going to be mandatory spending, discretionary spending, and then there is there is revenue. So mandatory spending is pretty much it's government regulated that comes from programs. Um, discretionary spending is going to be made by policymakers. They're going to dictate what goes on there. And then the revenue is pretty much, they're going to tax it. It it comes from us. So they tax us or they take our benefits or they lower their, our benefits. And that's how they create the revenue. So the first one for mandatory spending is a mean test VA disability compensation for for veterans with high income. Ultimately, what they're trying to say is if you retire from the military and you get a well-paying job, then that is going to be held against you and they're going to hold that against you via your retirement pension, right? 
Um, reduction reduces the VA's disability benefits for veterans who are older than the full retirement age for Social Security. The next one for the mandatory spending is narrow eligibility for VA disability compensation by excluding veterans with low disability ratings. And we're going to get into these a little bit more. I'm just giving you an overview of what's going on. Then you have discretionary spending. And this is going to have a cap. The cap increases in base basic pay for military service members. So they're going to put a cap on our raises, essentially. Uh, reduces the basic allowance for military housing to 80% on average housing costs. And I just skipped one, which is replace some military personnel with civilian employees. And then the next one is going to be increased prescription drug co-payments for all veterans. And then the revenue is include this, the VA disability payments into taxable income. My mind is blown right now. So what they're saying is they're going to tax our benefits and then give us the remainder. I don't understand it. It's crazy. But yes, this is, these are the things, and, and, and there are a couple other ones that I'm not going to go into today, but you can see them right there um, on the website. All right, so without further ado, let's talk about these. All right, so your VA disability payment taxable income. So the disability compensation is not means tested, right? So they don't go by what you make. So it does. there's no restriction to those with income below a certain amount, and the payments are exempt from income taxes. Payments are in the form of monthly annuities and typically continue until the beneficiary's death. This option would include the VA's benefits to be taxable income. So here's, here's, here's my issue with this. Here's where kind of like where I kind of like, one, the fact that we're going to get our, our VA benefits tax period. But where I have an issue is this is the federal government saying that we're going to potentially tax your benefits that you work 20, 20 plus years for in order to get, which is one of the selling points if you really ask any individual that's in the military or potentially going to join the military, they're probably going to tell you the same thing. Like, oh, well, I get retirement and it's the entire check. I get a certain amount of what my base pay was and I get this for the rest of my life. So not only is the federal government wanting to tax you, but could you imagine if the federal government gets their hands into this, what the states are going to do, right? Because the federal says, I'm going to take this amount. And then the state's like, hold on, if they're getting it, let me get it, right? And actively, there are some states that actually do tax military um, uh, veterans, disability, um, retirement checks, just the retirement checks, right? So this would just give them more inclined to do it. So at the end of the day, it's, it's just, I, I don't understand it. Um, there are many other ways in which we can come up with cutting the deficit. Uh, there are many other ways in which we can generate revenue without sacrificing the population of the military, which is a small amount, to be honest with you, right? They say less than one or less than 2% of the population is in the military. So you really, at the end of the day, like, what are we doing here? All right. So the next one that's on the docket 
is the reduction of the VA benefits for veterans who are older than the full retirement age at Social Security. So the, what this ultimately says, if you break it down and, and, you, and you really just, in a nutshell, um, veterans who start receiving disability compensation in 2024 or later will have those payments reduced by 30% at age 67. So that means once I hit the retirement age, it's going to be 30% off, pretty much taken away. So take 3,000, let's say square it at 3,000, you take 30%. That is That can be significant, especially at that age. You're not generating any other income. Um, you're probably on the tail end, hopefully done with, but probably on the tail end of, of your mortgage. You got... You got children that you're probably, or grandchildren that you're probably assisting with. And just at that age, you're probably going to be on a lot of medications. Potentially, you're, you're on a few medications, right? So it's, it's so much that you're probably pushing out on such a small income that you're depending on. And if they take that 30% at that time, it's just, I think it'll impact severely. But um, that is one another option in which the CBO has proposed in order to cut the deficit. The next one is narrowing eligibility for VA, dis for VA disability compensation by excluding veterans with low disability ratings. And this is, I, I'm not going to lie, this one right here, ladies and gentlemen, is borderline disrespectful. What do you mean? What I mean is I've worked in the military and I did 20 years, right? And I retire. And because I may have not endured any many physical um, injuries, they may not be compens as compensating, right? So you're telling me that if I don't reach a cap, then or a certain percentage, then you're not going to pay me out. Listen, under this option, the first alternative, the VA would narrow eligibility for disability compensation by requiring a disability rating of 30% or higher for all veterans. As a result, some current recipients would no longer receive the benefit. <laughs> the second alternative would be to require a 30% or higher disability ratings only for new dis disability compensation ap applicants. So if you're receiving 20% and this goes through, you're not going to receive it from that point on. So whatever that amount is, just take it away, right? All of a sudden, you're no longer receiving it. And then in the future, for those who are joining now and retire 20 years from today, those guys and those guys and girls, unless they have 20 30% or more, they're just not going to qualify. So whatever it is that I did for 20 years, I better get 30%. So what are we doing here? I'm going to force individuals to lie. Um, potentially, they'll provide kickbacks for those VA docs to keep them under 30%. We never know what's going to happen. Um, but there are initiatives, and, and there is an initiative. So when there's an initiative, there could potentially be incentives behind that initiatives. And I will tell you right now, if the initiative is to cut the budget, then I doubt that those 
incentives will be in favor of the retiree. Wow. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. As I read that, I've, I've read this multiple times. And as I read it to you guys now, it just continues to baffle my mind. Um, the next one is going to be cap increases in basic pay for military service members. So in a nutshell, let me read it real fast. This option would cap base pay raises for military service members to a 0.5% below, yeah, percent be, points below the increase in the ECI through the end of the calendar year 2028. For those of you who don't know what the ECI is, it's the Employment Cost Index. So what that ultimately means is that we would be half a percent below the increase of what the private of, of what a civilian work a civilian worker makes in the private sector. So in in essence what they're saying is we are going to be compensated equally to the individual that's working in the civilian sector. Guys, let's let's not take this before this even turns into a thing. Let's not take this out of context. I was a civilian at one time. Civilian jobs are necessary. That's what runs the economy. We know that. So I need not say anything about that. I am not knocking civilian sector, private industries, none of that. What I'm saying is that the the um, they're not equal, right? A, a, a individual that works in a hospital, right? The healthcare worker, which are essential workers, they're probably not as prone to death as a infantryman or as a scout, you know? So our job is a little bit more dangerous to be compensated a half a percent below the increase of the ECI, right? And it, <laughs> again, as I read through this, it baffles me. It I can't wrap my brain around how these the CBO and 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 you know what I can't completely knock the CBO because they just throw they're paid to come up with these uh initiatives and throw them and see if they stick and if they don't stick then they don't stick but it's still an option and that baffles me and as you see it says this um as you will see if you go on the MOA website this option would take effect in January 2024. So here we are in April, and we're about eight months away from this potentially happening. If you go to the end of January, nine months, whatever. But it, I can't. I can't today, you know? They're, they're really pressing me today, and today is a Saturday. I'm recording this on a Saturday, and I'm really upset right now. So um, after I'm done, I'm going to go do something that's going to hopefully get me in a better mindset. All right, next. Replace some military personnel with civilian employees. Now this, on the other hand, I kind of agree with. And hear me out. Hear me out. I'm not saying, okay, let me read this out first and then we'll. I'll tell you why. So in the CBO's assessment, fewer civilians could provide the same quality and quantity of service provided by military personnel at a lower at a lower overall cost to the federal government because these civilians would have to receive less on the job training 
would not have to devote part of the work year to the general military. So that means that they don't have to, that they get trained before, right? So they're not wasting time on the job trying to learn. And then on top of that, that they don't have to just get taken out and go to like the field or stuff like that, which is understandable and probably won't have to rotate amongst positions as rapidly as the military personnel do. So either PCSing or I get promoted and now I have to go to another position. So now I have to bring another person to kind of like fill that gap and then the lag of time versus the continuity of the work of the civilian worker that lives, let's say I'm in Texas. So individual that lives in Texas, they will stay here for a longer amount of time than I would if I were not to be retiring, right? So under this option, the DOD would replace over four years, 80,000 active duty military personnel in commercial jobs with 64,000 civilian employees. So they're cutting it by what, I don't know, 16,000? Is that the math? So I get it. I mean, they're not taking those military members out of a job. Like they're not kicking them out the army, but they're just replacing it. And, and, and that kind of makes sense to me. But I would prefer for them to place them in significant um, positions in which I think, I this is what I think, that the military should not be taking those positions because of the command influence that could potentially happen, i.e. SHARP representatives, EO representatives, and CID representatives. I think we are actively moving into getting those CID representatives switched over to the... Um, what is that called? Switching over to the civilian sector. But I think that for sure, Sharp and EO need to move out. They need to have civilians there. The reason being is these guys are directly rated by a, a, a senior um, officer in which they can hurt their career. And a lot of a lot of times you, you would think, I'm not saying they do, you would think that pressure could could sway individuals to think certain ways or report certain things or lack not report certain things and this is just sergeant cruz's thought there's not that it happens saying this is what could happen and this is the only one that i agree to wholeheartedly that they should do but in certain positions and this effect would take somewhere in october 2023 right so we got some time but i do agree with this one because here they're not like when they they're actually creating jobs if they if if you look at it, it says they will replace eighty thousand soldiers, so they will pull them out and send them back to their units. And the only bad thing is that Joe or or the NCO or the officers that or the soldiers that are there are no longer. If it's a cush job, then you know they kind of miss out on that. But that's that's a small price to pay, in my opinion, my humble opinion. With sixty four thousand civilian employees, so what they're saying is that they're going to create jobs at the end of the day. So I think that's pretty dope. Um, if I'm misreading this, somebody please let me know. But definitely this is what I'm getting out of that. Um, next is the reduction that would reduce basic allowance for housing. So BAH to 80% of the average housing cost. So initially that allowance was set over, to, was set to cover 80% of the cost for rent and utilities, but it now covers 90% of the average cost. Oh my God. Let's not let these, these soldiers make any money or, or, you know, get ahead of the eight ball. No, no, no. Let's go back. Let's go back to the freaking sixties and seventies and stuff like that. And 
when when inflation was a lot lower and cost of living and all that stuff. Let's go back to then, but with the same inflation. Um, this option would return BH to its original level by reducing it 1.7% points each January for the next nine years. So that kind of, that's, it's a jacked up policy. I would not want it to happen, but the fact that they're going to do it in increments because it says to minimize disruption, disruptions for service members currently in privatized housing, BH would not change until they moved. So kind of like they're not just going to immediately take it. However, they're still thinking about taking it. So the heck with that. Um, as a result, by 2032, BAH would once again cover 80% of the rental and utility cost. Sheesh. So what you're telling me is that if my rent and utility come out to $1,000, you're only going to give me $800 and figure it out. You know what I mean? Like Again, another benefit of being in the military is the fact that they pay your housing. You know, and if you and 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 if you manage your housing cost, it can also cover your electricity bill and your water bill. So pretty much your utilities. And if we go back to the Stone Age, if you will, it's it, it's 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 all for nothing. Again, goes back to retention rates and recruiting rates. How are you? If this takes a if this were to take of effect, which is set up to take effect January 2024. If this were to take effect, do you think that you big army are going to be able to get these troops to stay in or I'm sorry, get these troops to to join the military and or retain these individuals? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think the juice would be worth the squeeze. Troops are getting out now and 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 in my opinion life is good in the army like everything is is, is majorly paid. We're paid a pretty decent salary, and our our benefits are nothing to sneeze at. Let's put it that way. And if you take that and you cut and you continue to cut these and cut these, I mean, no, troops aren't going to want to stay in, and guys are going to retire. You know, there's 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 way way too much money to be made out there. I'm watching I'm watching individuals coming up, being entrepreneurs, coming up with businesses, investing. There's way too much out there that that it's just. Not worth the risk to stay in the army, in my opinion. All right, next one is <laughs> increased prescription drug co-payments for all veterans. Unbelievable. Um, in 2021, co-payments ranged from five to eleven dollars for a 30-day prescription, then with an annual limit of seven hundred dollars. Those rates and the annual limit have not changed since 2017. So uh, we're in 2023 right now. People are pretty kind of like used to it, right? So now this option will remove the annual $700 cap and increase the co-payment for all veterans to rates similar to those paid by TRICARE beneficiaries at all retail pharmacies. So pretty much you're going to pay regular rates that are out there. Um, so there's no benefit again. Under this option, co-pays will range from $14 to $68 every for 30-day prescriptions. And that's depending on the drug. If you get something that's more of a, you have a pretty decent, um, what is it called? You have a pretty decent uh, operation or something like that. You're going to probably require some type of um, opioid that's a little bit more more stronger, you know. So those narcs tend to be a lot more expensive on the expensive side. So we're going from 5 to 14 to 11 to potentially $68. Oh, God. Unbelievable. And rates would be adjusted for inflation. Yeah, right. 
And similar to how retail prescription copays are calculated under to under the Tricare program, so the copay would be, it it, it, it all depends, you know. So there's no cap. Like I can go over seven. I could be paying seventeen hundred dollars in copays at the end of the year, and no one will bat an eye. But you know what? The federal government is going to save money. The same money that they're sending to other countries that they cannot send. And I'm not saying I'm not saying it's the same budget, but I'm just saying they can save some money. Ultimately. We're at a point that our services are not being appreciated. We're at a point that our services are so underappreciated that our 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 retirement plan is is um is up for grabs, and it's 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 annoying. All right, guys. So that is all for today. I like to thank you guys for stopping by. Um, as as I said, as I always say, like, subscribe, download, comment. Do all that cool stuff on the social medias at TikTok, um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I appreciate you guys' time. And remember, you don't have to embrace the suck if you got the right tools in your ruck. I'm out. Roger, sorry.